This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hi, everyone. I'm Emma Choi, and welcome to Everyone and Their Mom, a weekly show from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This week, we're talking about a really big worm with Wait Wait panelist, comedian, and a woman who I'm almost positive has already used the phrase Jiminy Cricket sometime today. It's Karen Chi. Hey, Karen. Aw, nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. <laughs> Am I right? Have you used that phrase today? Yeah, only twice. It does sound like <laughs> something I would get tattooed on my body. Absolutely. And I pray for that day. (laughs) Well, Karen, we've got a real fun story for you this week. Uh, A boy found a giant worm in his backyard. That's the whole story. That's awesome. How big was the worm? I can't even wait to tell you about this, Karen. Have you ever wondered to yourself, huh, I wonder if there's a worm out there that's a meter long, bodaciously thick, and absolutely just hanging out in some little boy's backyard? A bodaciously thick worm? Yeah, Karen. Oh my god, nine-year-old New Zealander Barnaby Domigan discovered the worm of worms in his backyard, and we are just like super thrilled for him, okay? And this thing is huge. Imagine the biggest freaking worm you can think of. This worm is bigger than that. That's wild. I know, it's as thick as a garden hose, and not joking, it is actually a meter long. That's like three subway footlongs back to back. If you stood it up and put a tutu on it, it could probably pass as a skinny eight-year-old in dance class. That's how big it is. Yeah, and probably much better at doing the worm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's crazy though. I also didn't know that they had that they had such big worms in New Zealand. Is it normal there for worms to be bigger? I think so. I mean, everything's bigger in New Zealand, in Australia, right? But but oh. I think this worm was also like egregiously big, you know, because on one hand, it's an enigma, right? It's the Andre of the giant of worms. But, yeah. you know, on the other hand, it's also just a classic worm. You know, it's pink. It's got that weird segmented bendy straw thing near its head. And oh, as geez. Barnaby put it so wisely, it's, quote, cold and squishy. Um, <laughs> It's a sentient extra long hot dog, Karen. It's basically an intestine with feelings. That's, okay, the thing I can't imagine is, like, is it actually the thickness of a garden, like, is the girth of the worm as thick as a garden hose, or is it just long and still quite skinny? No, it's quite thick. It's like three of my fingers. In diameter? In diameter. Did they put it in a zoo? No, Barnaby, or, you know, we're calling Bee Barnes, he named the worm Dead Fred, which is, you know, a perfect name, and he wanted to keep him in a plastic bag in his house, but, you know, his parents said no, they're calling the worm, quote, the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, and, 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 you know, that was probably the right call. Everyone knows you should store your worms in a reusable tote. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma, this actually, I feel like, could be a really good children's book, Barnaby and the Giant Worm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The illustrations would be amazing. Karen, how do you think that story would go? Okay, it, it would be the worm showing up in the house, the worm being like, all my worm friends have never loved me because I was too big, and Barnaby being like, I love you. So they get along, the worm is so helpful, gives Barnaby a ride to school, but then everybody else starts bullying Barnaby because of the worm. And so oh, then yeah. the worm is like, 
oh no, I'm making Barnaby's life harder. So he disappears. And then Barnaby gets really sad, right? But yeah. Barnaby's parents are like, thank God the worm is out of the house. And so the worm is like, I did the good thing by leaving. And then one day Barnaby realizes that the worm has left a glistening trail behind him. <gasps> a as worm he, slime. Yeah, as he wiggles wow. around. So then Barnaby, very excited, goes and finds the worm. Um, I think at some point something really devastating needs to happen. Like the worm gets like part of it run over by a bicycle <gasps> or something. Because when worms yeah. split, they turn into two worms, right? Or is that a mess? I, I don't know. I think at least like part of it grows back. Okay, so, well, yeah. let's say it's another worm. So then okay. Barnaby has a friend worm that are two slightly smaller but still very giant worms. <laughs> uh, and then they reunite and become friends. That is such a good story. Thank yes. you! One note, can the can the worm be wearing a top hat? Uh, yeah, I think it must. And I think the top hat needs to be as long as the body. <laughs> Support for NPR and the following message comes from Front Door. We all have that endless home to-do list. Repair the leaky dishwasher, fix the fridge, get the faucet to stop dripping. Get it all done with Front Door, the one-stop home repair and maintenance app. With Front Door, you can video chat with home repair experts, diagnose the problem faster, and cross off that to-do list. Now, when your home needs fixing or maintenance, just open the Front Door. Download and get unlimited video chats with an expert for just $25 a year. Hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, you. If you're listening to this, that means you have a birthday coming up eventually. And here at LifeKit, we want it to be a special one. Magic can happen and good luck can happen and serendipity can happen if we're open to it. How to have a good birthday, even if you're not a birthday person. That's on the LifeKit podcast from NPR. Just to start off, Donna, can you introduce yourself for us? Sure. Uh, I'm Donna Barba Igueta, and I write children's books, uh, middle grade and picture books. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and they're incredible. You are a freaking New York Times bestselling children's book author. You've won a Newbery Award, which is basically like the American Idol of kids' books award, right? <laughs> I never, I haven't heard of it that way, but okay, I'll tell my kids that. That will impress them. So cool. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, we've been talking this week about this boy who found a giant worm in his backyard, and we thought it would be a really great idea for a children's book. What do you think? <laughs> okay, I feel like anything that you can come up with that makes you give pause for just a moment and ask you, how in the heck did that happen or what if? So yeah, it would make an awesome children's book. Yay! Yeah, it totally reminded us of, like, you know, Emily and the Big Red Dog, Clifford, and, like, all these animal-human pairings. You're going really uh, friendly and um, with this giant worm. My mind went to a really dark place. (laughs) I mean, imagine when you were a kid. The best books were the ones that were really scary or the ones that made you feel a little bit more grown up or kind of ask yourself those imaginative questions totally that's that's so funny because we were talking about that too like um you know like what 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 makes a good children's book because honestly it's a little confusing because some of our favorites are like 
really dark. Like in the Korean <laughs> Cinderella, the evil stepsister actually drowns Cinderella and assumes her identity. Or like, you know, in Hansel and Gretel, the kids get like absolutely murked by the witch. Yeah, that's kind of the way I think as well. Like how much worse can I make it for this character? And so, yeah. you know, <laughs> what, like this boy, what if he, you know, finds this worm and in, you know, initially he thinks it's a friendly worm and then it goes really dark into a bad place. And then the, the yeah. worm starts to attack his, his home and his town and his friends. <laughs> and then he has to step up and fight and and uh, kill the worm, which, you know, of course, turns out to be a baby worm. And we know that there are bigger worms out there. So I don't know. That's where my mind goes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Do you ever get, um, like, feedback from kids, like, rating your books to your face? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They'll tell me characters that they like or don't like. And sometimes yeah. it's be, it's 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 supposed to be that way. Like there's a mean character and they're like, I really don't like that. I'm like, good. That's, that's what you were supposed to. <laughs> Do you ever get a, like, I know that sometimes, you know, kids books are big for bedtime. I've learned. Right. Is it offensive when kids fall asleep during your books? No, I uh, actually, well, I guess it depends on the book. <laughs> if, it's, <laughs> if it's super action packed and they're snoozing, uh, I, I'm like, Oh, maybe I didn't hit the mark on that one. But um, I think that, you know, picture books, well, books in general can be a really safe place. And I think mm-hmm. that the world sometimes can be kind of scary. And so if a kid can come home and curl up with a book and they fall asleep, then you've hit the goal. Totally. Yeah. I mean, can I, I want to ask you about the like the children's book author community, because that seems interesting. Like, do you have a conference where there's like a slime machine in a bouncy house. <laughs> I wish they would be so much better if there was slime in a bouncy <laughs> yeah. house. Um, okay, I will say though, my best friends in life are are writers, and I think that because a lot of us we are like kids, and mm-hmm. we still have our heads in the clouds, and we it's like having this secret treehouse of trust where we can talk to one another and speak freely. Um, There are conferences and people are on their best behavior. But then when you get to like a table with friends and you're actually sitting around, Uh uh, especially children's writers have the biggest potty mouths. And like, we'll we'll (laughs) say, and and it's just, we're, we're kids and adults bodies. I have a hard time imagining you with a potty mouth. Can you, can we get a sample? Oh, I can add to anything like, Oh, the lunch, like lunch. And like, you know, breakfast, (laughs) oh, bagel, you know, you can Uh just add it to anything. And it's just the perfect curse word for me. Oh, that's so wonderful (laughs) to hear. One last question. What question would you want to ask this little worm boy um, to know more about his story? Okay, first of all, what did he do with the worm once he found it? Did he keep it? Did he put it back where it was? I'm talking to him later, so I'll get you with some (gasps) You are? I know, I'm so lucky. I just got goosebumps. You're meeting the famous worm boy of New Zealand. That's so exciting. I'm Barnaby Domigan from Christchurch in New Zealand. Yeah, and I mean, you're from New Zealand, but you're basically a worldwide celebrity at this point because you found a really big worm. Congrats, man. That is a huge freaking worm you found. Thank you. (laughs) Are you the coolest kid at school now, now that you found this huge worm? I don't know. I actually don't know. (laughs) Why don't you tell us what happened from the... Can you tell us the story of how you found this worm from the beginning? 
Yes, I'd be delighted to. Okay, so <laughs> you see, we have a riverbed down by our backyard, and I decided to go explore it because I hadn't been in it much. So I went into the riverbed, and I walked al- along the side, and then there it was. I saw a giant worm lying in the water. <laughs> Whoa! Oh my gosh! What did you? What did it feel like to find that guy? It was just so exciting because I didn't know if it was like a worm or an eel that had been like been in like spray paint or something like that. Cool. And and what what did it feel like? I mean, it must have been really exciting to see it in your hand, right? It was really, 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 really exciting because I'd never seen a worm that big in my life. So. Was it alive? No, it was dead because I it was drowned in the water when I picked it up. That's pretty sad. Was it heavy then? Because it must have been. It looked big, right? It was huge. So it was really heavy. What did you do next? So you had the you had the worm on the stick. What comes next? Well, I picked it up with the stick. Mm-hmm. Then I mm-hmm. came over to the fence and I said, "Dad, Dad, I found." A giant worm. And then he came over and took a photo and then posted it on <laughs> Facebook. But And then suddenly the whole world wanted to find out about what, how I found the worm. So what did you do with the worm after you showed your dad? Did you give it a funeral? <laughs> no. Well, I wanted to keep it in like a jar or a plastic bag. But then my mm-hmm. dad said that I it was like too disgusting and... I did, and he didn't want a worm in the house, so I had to say goodbye. I put it on the um, side of the river and, and I waved. So are you going to keep looking for worms in your backyard after this, or are you all done? I'm going to hope for the best and keep looking. I love that attitude. Well, thank you so much, Barnaby, B. Barnes. We had so much fun. Is there anything else you want to say to the world about Mr. Dead Fred? No, no, thank you. But thank you so much for inviting me on this call today. (laughs) And thank you for coming. This was a lot of fun. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com This message comes from NPR sponsor, Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Here's my favorite part of the podcast, the credits. This show was brought to you by Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This episode was produced by Haley Fager, Zola Ray, and Kelly Wessinger. With help from Oha Lopez, Blythe Robertson, Lillian King, Sophie Hernandez-Simeone this, and George Lucas. Not the one you're thinking of, like a separate one. Our supervising producer is Jennifer Mills, and our unproblematic king is Mike Danforth. Once again, Lorna White, thank you for being Lorna White and for doing our sound. Thanks to Barnaby Domigan for bringing the joy of Deed Fred to the world. Deed Fred, you are... 
did. Donna Barbara Higueta, thanks for talking to us about all things creepy and cute. We're at a sleepover and we're just making a crazy story. Her new book, The Last Quintista, is out now. Thank you to my co-host, comedian, wait, wait, panelist, and someone I'm dreaming of opening a craft store with. It's Karen Chi. Yes, I can do whatever I want. You can find her on Twitter and on Instagram at Karen Chi. I'm Emma Choi, and you can find me at Wait Wait NPR and talking myself out of piercing my own ears a la the parent trap style. They make it look like very safe and easy, but Google says I should not do that. Okay, I'm done. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Host a celebratory brunch for less with 365 by Whole Foods Market. Featuring wallet-happy finds like cold smoked Atlantic salmon and more. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.